You are listening to the Mother Lab Podcast. Welcome to the Mother Lab Podcast. Mother Lab stands for Maternal Outcomes for Translational Health Equity Research. This is Iman, and I have Amea here with me. On this week's episode, we will talk tackle lactation consulting, doula care, and its advantages to maternal health outcomes. We are joined today by board-certified lactation consultant and trained doula, Chanel Ford. Chanel is the founder of a community-based lactation practice called Heart to Heartbeat Lactation and Wellness Clinic. She's currently a research associate and consultant on the New Moms Wellness Study of UMass Amherst. Chanel also serves as the chair of the SDHHS Maternal Child Health Commission. She, she became a board-certified lactation consultant in January 2019. Before we start, when you jump in, we just wanted to say we are so excited to have you here today and welcome Chanel. So just to start off, we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what got you into the field of maternal health because it is kind of a small field and we just wanted to know your interests. Oh my goodness. So honestly, thank you both um, and everyone for having me. Um, always humbled to be in a space where I can talk about lactation, which is something that I am so very passionate about. And honestly, that's really where it comes from. Um, it really stems from the heart, which is honestly where the name of my practice came about. Um, really my journey with breastfeeding and introduction to breastfeeding was with my own children. With my son, I was, you know, a mom on WIC. I had a breastfeeding care counselor. And honestly, I didn't know much about breastfeeding to begin with. Um, all I had really heard was that, oh, it's the healthiest for the baby. I had a few people in family that had breastfed, but it wasn't something, <clears throat> excuse me, that, you know, was really very present in that manner. So for me, all I had to know was, oh, it's healthier for the baby, sign me up, we're doing this. Um, so on WIC, then soon after I got an opportunity to become a peer counselor, six months into that position, I was sitting for my certified lactation counselor exam. And that really was a really pivotal point for me, if anything, because it really opened up so many opportunities and just the idea that, oh my gosh, you can actually get paid <laughs> to do this. You know, I absolutely fell in love with the field from that moment. Um, and from then I'm like, oh no, I absolutely want the gold standard. What is the highest point of this field so I can make the most impact? Um, so honestly, from that, just really that trajectory to be able to support and to serve in such a beautiful capacity and you know really be with these families in such a vulnerable space and the fact that I'm welcomed into that space is something that I don't take lightly at all and hold in such high regard and you know looking back and reflecting on you know, my experience as a breastfeeding mom, and, you know, I had the family support, but when I looked outside of that, the supports were lacking, unfortunately, and, you know, knowing what we know about breastfeeding and the benefits that it has and the life-saving qualities and characteristics that it possesses, the fact that there are so many communities that are, you know, historically been excluded 
and are disadvantaged, the fact that breast milk has the ability to heal, to save lives, um, you know, these inequities that we see in health across the board, um, you know, in lactation, it's no different, um, unfortunately. So my charge, if you will, um, you know, through this passion work really has been to ensure that lactation care and quality lactation care is equitable and accessible to everyone. Um, you know, of course, with that specific focus on those communities that, you know, are suffering the most and haven't had, you know, the access that they deserve and that they should have had. Um, so, you know, so many different ways that really manifests um, through. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> Chanel, I remember when I worked with you earlier in the summer with the Breastfeeding Coalition and I definitely think like a lot of women have like no idea of the benefits and also like traditionally like breastfeeding just seems so overwhelming and if you don't have the resources like it just seems like something you're not gonna do but I think that like from your own experiences and that you took the initiative to help bring more women to this is like so inspirational and thank you so much for meeting us with us today. Uh, I just like wanted to quickly introduce that I'm Iman, I'm a tough senior, and I'm here with Amaya, who is also a tough sophomore. And me, Chanel and I, we worked over the summer with the Breastfeeding Coalition, where we helped organize a Black Breastfeeding Week in August. And I think that that whole week and like becoming a lactation consultant and like providing doula care services, like definitely it would help address the disparities, but eliminating them is definitely a different story, but we are just our own people and we can only like bring it out to the world. And that's exactly what you're doing. So thank you. So Chanel, like I know you touched up on how you've made strides in your health and like in the healthcare field and what you've done. But I was wondering if you had any like specific instances or like something that really made, that really solidified the reason you came to this field. And if there was something that you would like to tell women out there who are interested in becoming it, like what does the process look like? So one experience that I feel like will forever stand out for me. Um, when I was in the hospital, breastfeeding um, my new baby boy, um, I have two boys, um, you know, both of them exclusively breastfed and honestly are the biggest breastfeeding advocates. Um, and I absolutely love it. Um, with my first little guy, um, he was like that poster child for breastfeeding, right? Had no issues or anything like that, but I'm still a new mom having this little tiny human um, that I am now fully responsible for and have to feed, right? So I requested some support. Um, it took a while to come. Um, and I also heard out in the hallway, they're like, oh, she's fine. She doesn't need, she's not gonna breastfeed anyway. Oh, okay. Um, with my second little guy, I actually needed the help. And by that point, I was already in the field. I still needed the help and requested, requested, requested. No one ever came. Um, with my little guy, we struggled for about two and a half weeks 
herself. Um, so honestly, that also speaks to the experience of breastfeeding in and of itself. It is not easy by any means. It is not all, you know, roses and rainbows. Absolutely, that is a part of it. But it's difficult. And, you know, having these individuals in place that are capable, that are equipped, that are excited to assist and to serve um, is so vital and so critical to seeing these positive health outcomes. So, and one of my passions also is to help diversify the field because the field overall, it doesn't look like me. It's honestly more and more and more, you know, changing and shifting. And it's a beautiful thing to see, but we have so far to go. So as far as, you know, encouraging, you know, those to come up in the field and, you know, get excited about it and explore the passion, um, you know, of being able to, just like I said, serve these families in such a beautiful capacity um, is something that is very, you know, close to my heart as well. So as far as, you know, any recommendations, I mean, starting with a peer counselor program. Um, it do, you don't have to start with a peer counselor program. I just always love the idea of it. Just Are there a lot of um, peer counselor like programs available? Like, do you think that we still need more of them? But that is a good like way to start. Yeah, it's okay. absolutely a beautiful way to start. There are so many different ones that are out there. Right. Um, like I said, I came up through WIC. So WIC is an awesome opportunity. Um, they have the Rose Community Transformers. Um, their peer program is beautiful and absolutely amazing. Um, and there are other ones, you know, across the country um, that have just these opportunities to be able to serve your community in different ways. And although I went up, you know, this kind of ladder kind of situation, I went to, you know, from peer counselor to a CLC to now IBCLC, there are so many lactation credentials that mm -hmm. you don't have to be an IBCLC, you know, in order to serve your community. So there's so many different ways, so many different avenues. Um, you know, absolutely, there are opportunities out there. Um, you know, and specifically, I can say like for us out in Springfield and Western Mass, um, looking to bring a peer counselor program um, or you know, just bring an opportunity to be able to sponsor some individuals that are interested, um, you know, to be able to pursue this beautiful career. Yeah, I completely agree. We actually, um, we recently did like a presentation on uh, doula care in Western Mass and there, is, there are like clear disparities in like the number and like how like access to become one. But hearing that is just amazing. And I'm just so glad that's happening. And I definitely think that like, it's more, I think a lot about it is like, people don't know where to start and I feel like I'm already learning so much more so like just like telling us like the different outlets and our and our listeners is just like a great way to like get more involved and like now you can like take the initiative just like you did 
And even hearing about all these options to um, care for lactation consultants, I just know so many mothers who don't even know this is an option. And so many mothers who are just struggling privately, like even within my family, they just don't understand that there is an option for help because it's never publicized. And there's so many times when clinicians are just like not telling you about your options. And I know there's so many problems with um, POCs and white clinicians and not feeling that level of comfort. So I just wanted to know how you feel about being a POC clinician and how that has impacted your relationship with your clients or just what you've seen has made an impact in the field. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I absolutely recognize the mantle that I carry. Um, you know, as a Afro-Latina, as, you know, a young woman who is, is that in this space, um, in a space where I can hold space for families where I'm able to create space and carve out um, these brave spaces um, for families to really be empowered. Um, and I feel like a part of our charge is not to, me personally, it's not to give power, it's to help them recognize their own and give them an opportunity to really showcase that. Um, and again, that's one of the beauties, many beauties of this field, um, because we get to really witness the birth, you know, of families, um, you know, all over again. Um, and, you know, connecting that to doula care as well. Um, you know, the beauty of being in that space and being able to, again, serve and support, um, you know, during such a critical time um is just yeah I don't even know if there are the right words to really describe that um but as a clinician in this role um like I said I absolutely recognize you know the weight of that and again something I don't take lightly and you know being from this community and being able to turn around and serve my community is something you know again that means so so much um, and truly does make a difference because representation matters. And exactly. to, be to see someone, you know, in a professional capacity that looks like you, that can relate, um, you know, to you in a different way, um, you know, and possibly in a deeper way. Um, yeah, that makes all the difference. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I think that like as part of like the mother lab, like we definitely do have like interactions, but hearing it firsthand from you is so great. And like we've always like, you know, like we we never stop reading about how the fact that black women aren't heard in hospital rooms and like having someone there who can vouch for you and advocate for you when no one else will like that's more important than anything. And like we all like I think we all know about like the mental health impact and how that directly affects you and the baby like it definitely should be more out there like I feel like the connection between like your your own mental health well-being and like the impact it has on you is like stronger than ever so I really like I think that it definitely needs to be pushed for more and we um we recently submitted this like mass health waiver to have like doula care and lactation services like extended we, I'm not sure what the status is, but definitely like I'd want it to be covered under insurance, which is like a whole other thing. 
whole nother beast. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. <laughs> That's the one, for sure. And I know we talked a little bit about doula care earlier, and I know just in my personal experience, like, I really do want to become a doula. And looking at the training qualifications and just anything that you need, it's really, like, a very accessible process, which I think a lot of people don't realize. Um, so I just want to know if you could talk a little bit about that and if you would recommend being a doula, what your experience has been. Oh my goodness. So with the doula care, so I currently am not a practicing doula, um, but I am a trained doula um, and still on the track to become DONA certified. So I went through DONA, their training, and it was absolutely eye-opening. It was fun, honestly, to be a great space, um, you know, to, you know, just get excited about supporting the families and, you know, just learning so many different ways of comfort, um, you know, to be able to help and support the families. Um, so again, I mean, like lactation, there are, you know, different um, certifying bodies, um, within the doula field. Right. And, you know, there are, just like I mentioned, so you looked at DONA um, is one of the premier um, organizations um, with, you know, within the doula field. And it is, you know, absolutely a phenomenal experience, at least from my experience that I had with the training. Um, and just again, to be able to be in that space to support um, what beautiful. Yeah, and it's amazing how you're talking about how like advocating and being there for patients is actually just so beneficial to you as like a trained yeah. doula. Like it definitely goes like, both ways. Exactly, that like system of reciprocity, it's just beautiful. The fact that like, it just is so beneficial for both parties involved. And even just looking at the statistics, like- And the baby. <laughs> right, yeah. And dual-assisted mothers are just like four times less likely to have low birth weights and two times less likely to have birth complications. And the like mm -hmm. impact doulas have on mothers and babies, it's just such a beautiful cycle and wish it was talked about more. Yeah, I think it's just like, I think in America, like, it's all about like statistics and numbers that kind of bring people and shock people. But like, it's like hard to like show what the impact of like, I mean, you're bringing life into the world. You That's not a statistic, you know, like you can't really be like, okay, yeah, like, I don't know. But like hearing you talk about it, I feel like I was in the room. <laughs> yeah, and I'm telling you, um, you know, to have that, you know, focus on the family, right? And always wanting to make sure that partners and dads, you know, are also feeling welcomed in that space mm -hmm. is a very important piece as well. Um, and, you know, with the doulas, um, you know, having, you know, dads and partners, again, being, you know, a very, you know, important piece of that. Um, experience and make sure that they are a part of the experience. Um, you know, oftentimes we hear the doulas, you know, will be the ones to, okay, let's show you some comfort measures that you can turn around and, you know, assist mom. And we are just here to support you as you do that. Um, and, you know, and same with lactation, with 
fathers and partners, they're so hands-off. They're like, hey, no, I don't have boobs. That's not my job. <laughs> um, they're like, yeah, I can't feed the baby. Um, but, you know, there are so many other ways, you know, again, to incorporate partners, to incorporate dads. Skin to skin is a phenomenal way to do that as well, um, you know, mm -hmm. for one example. But again, there are so many others. Um, you know, I've honestly even had dads physically hold mom's breasts to be able to feed the baby when mom was sleeping. Um, so, you know, there's so many opportunities and ways to make sure, um, you know, that the entire family unit um, is protected in that mm -hmm. space. And again, we able to advocate for themselves as well. Thank you. I was wondering, so what does, um, during the pandemic, like how has your role changed? I'm sure it comes with its own challenges, but <laughs> that must have been very different and difficult to adjust to. Absolutely. Um, you know, we all have been hit so hard um, in one way or multiple ways, um, you know, by this pandemic. And interestingly enough, um, you know, I've seen an uptick in, you know, families reaching out, um, you know, for support. Um, transitioned myself and my practice to a virtual platform, of course. Um, and already social media and just these virtual platforms were already, you know, pretty robust as far as looking for supports, you know, for lactation and, you know, birth and breastfeeding and beyond that whole maternal child health world, um, you know, what that support structure looked like. Um, so absolutely experienced, you know, some difficulties with the transition, yeah. um, you know, of course, but honestly, with the I can say a limitation, if anything, um, and something that, you know, is always really beneficial is to be able to actually put physical eyes on the family. Yeah. Um, so it's somewhat difficult, you know, to do that through a computer screen, right? <laughs> through a phone. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, grateful for technology. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there, of course, are some limitations there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the families. Yeah. But I think definitely like... Um, like COVID, like isolation, feeling alone, like oh, it's yeah. like, it definitely like was more than ever. And I think a lot, like we're still in it, we're still feeling it. So just like, I think like, it's great that people are reaching out and maybe like, I think that, you know, even with technology, like maybe some people who didn't have the transport or like the access to have someone over, like, I'm hoping that it like helps off some, like it helped them in one way. <laughs> Absolutely, to be able to cut down some of these barriers. Yeah. Because we know, just like you mentioned, you know, access to transportation, access to, you know, just a way, a safe way to be able to, you know, get to and from with the weather changing, you know, those yeah. concerns of, oh, you know, I'm not bringing my baby out. Or what if I have other children that, you know, I would need childcare for? It's a trickle. And like, there's so many factors, um, you know, so the fact that we do have the opportunity to do Zoom, to do, I've done, I, get, I do Zoom, I do FaceTime, you know, Google Duo, whatever, um, you know, just to be able to be a bit more accessible. Um, but I completely agree with you, completely agree with you. Um, you know, I feel like this will forever be a part of my practice. Um, you know, when I yeah. do get back to, you know, in-person 
visits and whatnot and consultations, um, this will always be a part of it um, to be able to have this connection and have it as an additional option for families. Yeah, I'm glad you're able to increase your accessibility if there is one thing. Yeah, no, and I think that like times are changing and just having like other options is like better than going back to in-person. Right. Right. And I even think that for some people, just like knowing that there's POC lactation consultants out there, that might only be in one specific part of the world. And like, if you're in California and you are obviously based um, over here in the Northeast, that like having this access to someone that may look like you might understand your cultural experiences, I think that's just so important. So I think that's one plus of the pandemic besides our very lonely um, isolation dorms, but just the accessibility of um, telehealth to so many people. And I think like, as we were talking about accessibility to lactation consultants, can you just talk about that a little? Because I know that like definitely cost to care is something that is a big problem. We did talk about all the benefits, but we want to go over everything. No, absolutely. And again, like that is a huge limitation. Um, and I can say, you know, being <clears throat> essentially on both sides of it, um, <clears throat> excuse me, from a peer counselor, like I said, from a mom, even, you know, looking into, <clears throat> oh my goodness, excuse me, um, as a mom, you know, looking into lactation care. And you know what that would mean for accessibility, what that would mean for out-of-pocket costs. Um, you know, looking to see, oh, does my insurance cover this? And you know, as a mom, like I was on, you know, Mass Health, and you know, it doesn't cover lactation care. So there are some private um, insurance companies that do offer services, like as far as like reimbursement for lactation care. But the issue is a lot of the times those private insurance, you know, providers and those that are actually, you know, benefiting from those services, do they represent the families that are underserved, that are able to access, um, you know, lactation care? So it's a, it's a struggle. Absolutely. So I can say even personally for me, um, you know, setting my prices, I struggled with that for months. And honestly, I still struggle with it. Like my prices are set, but I still struggle with it. Um, just because my intent is to make sure that it's equitable and that it's accessible. And at the same time, I have to honor my experience and honor the sacrifice that I've made mm -hmm. as well. Of course, yeah. So it's, it's definitely a balancing act um, for sure. But for me, I have absolutely dedicated, you know, I, I set aside consultations and I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm giving a certain amount away, you know, doing this for free, yeah. um, you know, giving these services, you know, because they are needed and knowing that it's out of reach for so many families. So, you know, making sure that, again, there is some kind of a balance there. Um, because I said, I'm a mom, I have my children to take yeah, care of. Yeah, of course. Sacrifice. Um, it shouldn't be on you. I definitely see like, 
it's like the legislation, like policy, like, you know, you shouldn't have to have to decide, you know, it shouldn't be a decision, decision where you have to like sacrifice between like choosing what you have to do for your own family and your clients, like you're all one, you know, we're, we're all in this, like, but I definitely see like policy needs to change, but things are slow and COVID has changed things. And just a lot of people don't acknowledge the black maternal health disparities. So we're only, the only thing we can do is try our best. And, right. and keep advocating for insurance yeah. to cover lactation consultants, because honestly, like, like, like Iman was saying, it's just not on like specific people. It's the whole yeah. institution that needs to change. And it sucks that we have to deal with this guilt and like the guilt you were talking about when it's really like you need to honor your time and your commitment and your experiences. So exactly. it's not on you to cut your prices, but it's the fact that these are such essential services that are not covered by insurance. And yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the more advocacy that's done, um, and I mean, there's, again, so many organizations and grassroots organizations that are doing such phenomenal work around ad advocacy. Um, you know, I'm also part of the Mass Breastfeeding Coalition and, you know, Milka and just so many different organizations that are you know, really, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, leading the charge, um, you know, especially as it relates to, you know, things coming out of the state and, you know, coming out of the Commonwealth. And, you know, you alluded to before, you know, the fact that, you know, just with the benefits, connecting it back to, you know, like the Zoom and telehealth and all of that and be able to have this reach, um, you know, there are, you know, black lactation consultants, you know, lactation consultants of color around the country. Um, and in Massachusetts specifically, what, maybe five, maybe of us, um, Western Mass. <laughs> um, that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Yeah, exactly. Completely. Yeah. So absolutely, you know, really just trying to encourage um, those to get involved um you know to step in and yeah. you know hold and create space too Chanel if there was one thing you could tell someone who was interested I know like you're obviously not gonna see them <laughs> but what would you tell our listeners oh my goodness reach out to me if you want some assistance um, I will help direct you um you know wherever you are um you know, have some amazing colleagues, again, across the country that are doing phenomenal work, um, you know, be able to direct to resources. But honestly, that's where it starts. Um, connecting, you know, yourself with and aligning yourself with individuals that are already doing the work. Um, honestly, with networking, I mean, one of the again, downsides, I guess, of the pandemic are the conferences. I miss conference season so, so much. Um, you know, being able to travel to a different state to really get in this space where, you know, for like two days, we are talking about nothing but breastfeeding and you are in <laughs> with, you know, breastfeeding fanatics that really, you know, you feed off of each other and, you know, be able to reignite the fire because sometimes it does get dim. It is discouraging. You know, there are these times where, you know, we are, um, so, you know, being able to, you know, get around, be like-minded individuals to really fire, you know, ourselves back up 
to be able to go back out and continue to do this work. Um, so networking, um, doing some research, just Google searching even, oh, lactation programs. There are even some colleges that are providing a pathway program. Oh, wow. So the IBCLC, um, there are three different pathways. Um, so basically just the pathways are just different ways to reach the IBCLC credential. Um, I went with one pathway where I needed clinical hours. I needed um, courses from uh, college courses. I needed, you know, credit hours of education. Um, so many different things, so many different components to even be eligible to sit for the exam, let alone take it and pass it. Um, but there are so many, you know, again, courses that are out there and programs that are designed to support individuals that are interested in this career to be able to help them meet all of the eligibility criteria. Um, so Google searches, like I said, just lactation education programs, peer counselor programs, um, you know, and if there are those listeners out there that are specifically interested, um, you know, in ones that are directly related to, you know, the BIPOC community, do a search for that. Um, NAPLSE um, is a phenomenal organization as well, um, you know, to, you know, reach out to the USBC. There are so many different, again, organizing bodies that support and promote breastfeeding, you know, on a national level, as well as state to state. Each state has a breastfeeding coalition. So regardless of what state that you're in, you can just search it. So Massachusetts, Massachusetts Breastfeeding Coalition. If you're in Rhode Island, if you are in California, um, you know, Google that, start there. Um, reach out to your local WIC offices. There's so many different avenues, so many different ways, but it really starts with doing that research and just starting somewhere. Um, thank you so much, Chanel. Thank you. Yeah, so we just wanted to thank Chanel for just giving us so many different options to get involved. And please, if anyone is interested, do that preliminary Google search and just be a way to advocate for yourself and advocate for others. There is such a need. And you can see just by this conversation how reciprocal the process is. You may also be benefited if you go into this field. But you have to start somewhere. Right. Start yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we did just want to thank Chanel for her time and energy and just the amazing light she brought into our podcast. You've brought in so much knowledge and so many amazing experiences and stories. I have learned so much in just this 30 minutes than like I think I've known <laughs> in my life. So we're so, so thankful and so appreciative that you could come and join us today. So if anyone is interested, please check out Chanel at Heart to Heart Beat Lactation and Wellness. And you can check out The Mother Lab at themotherlab.org or follow us on any of our social medias. And we will be back next month with a new episode. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. And thank you, Chanel, again. Thank you.